Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, besties, and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters. I'm your host, podcaster Belle Crawford. On the show, it's part one of a therapy session series with clinical hypnotherapist Caroline Cranshaw. Longtime listeners may remember our therapy sessions with Caroline. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen once you've listened to this to learn about things like attachment types and advice for dating. Caroline is also hilarious. In this episode, we're focusing on relationships and resolving conflicts. Some interesting research on signs your relationship will or won't last. How can we effectively resolve conflicts and turn things around? And what's the difference between red flags and normal things in relationships? Find out in this subscriber-only series. Plus, I open up about my personal life and relationship. Before we get started, please subscribe on your podcast app. And if you enjoyed this exclusive content, make sure you share the link with a friend so they can listen as well. Follow at Self Love Club Podcast and me at Belle Crawford on Instagram, where you can watch short videos of this conversation and all the details you need in the show notes. Let's get into it. Caroline, welcome back to the Self Love Club. We have missed you. People love you and often, you know, can you get Caroline back on? And I said, I promise it's happening soon. There's just a lot to get through, but we're here. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I love being on. Yeah. Hey. How have you been? What have you been up to? I've been busy. <laughs> yeah. Seeing clients and I've got the hypnotherapy school, so I'm doing a lot of teaching and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Just working constantly. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you got some breaks, some sunshine coming up. We did a series called Therapy Sessions because you are a therapist and you're a very good therapist as well. I'll leave all your notes, uh, all your details in the show notes. We want to talk about relationships because either you're someone that either wants to get into a relationship or why you are in one or, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship, we all have relationships throughout our life at, at all the times, right? And I think there's often a thing where you go from being single and maybe wanting a good, healthy relationship and then you get in one and it's almost like I think you think the work stops but it doesn't, you know, you get off really well but then you're two individual people in conflict. So we want to talk about conflicts, really good ways to manage it and strategies. But can you talk us a little bit about, I guess, the work that goes into relationships uh, and also when conflicts come up? I thought what I could talk about to really give the, the latest scientific research of what works and what doesn't is talking about a man named Dr. John Gottman's work. And he is amazing. Before with relationship theories and relationship therapy, they would just kind of come up with theories and see if that works. And they would just try these different things, but they didn't really have scientific data that backed up what actually works and what actually is destructive to your relationship. So he was a mathematician 
that then studied, started studying relationship therapy. And he thought, well, I'm going to science this shit up, right? <laughs> Let's actually get the data on what works and what doesn't. And so he put people into a lab and he hooks them up to equipment, like reading their stress levels and their heartbeat and all this different kind of data on how we're responding on an emotional and physical level. And he now can tell with like 96% accuracy, whether or not a couple is going to divorce after watching them for five minutes of just how they interact. So five minutes, he watches them and then he's like, they're going to divorce and, or they're not going to divorce and by when, and it's literally just how we interact. And we're doing so many things that are destructive to our relationships. And we just think, oh, I just need to meet the right person and then it'll all be great. But I know for myself, every time you get into a relationship, you think that, and you have that little interim honeymoon period where it's all amazing, but then it all turns to shit, right? <laughs> you get, basically, yes. you get into that power struggle and it's like, I don't know you, who are you? And it's obviously all their fault, but we're doing these things, mostly what we learned in childhood from our own parents' interactions that can be really destructive. Or some of us are doing really healthy things and it's really encouraging for our relationships, but we're just, we're not taught this stuff in school. And so we're kind of like going in blind, right? With no information. So there's certain kind of signs and attitudes, which he looks for that predicts these relationship breakdowns. And he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? If you see these things come in, the end is near. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> these are the behaviors you don't want. Because if you figure out what you don't want to do and also cover what you do want to do, then you can have a much better relationship. And I thought I was pretty good at relationships, but when I learned this data, I realized how many of these things I was doing and how that was caused, you know, you know, hello, it's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> Taylor so, Swift, how good is the oh, album? I love her. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great song. Yeah. So they include harsh startups, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling and failed repair attempts. So when these traits are present in your relationships, especially more than one, and let's face it, most of us have got three or four of those things. <laughs> There's a high, yeah, can yeah, you relate? I was, I was ticking a few off for sure, yeah. <laughs> Number one, a harsh startup. So the first sign that predicts a breakup may be on the way is how a conversation begins. 96% of the time is how it's gonna end. Right. And we come in guns blazing, you buddy, <laughs> go off on people and they just respond in the same kind of attitude. So if you start with a relaxed tone and are calm, it's the conversation is most likely to end on a positive note as well. Criticism. Now, criticism is the act of finding fault or judging harshly. And, you know, there's criticism and then there's complaints. And we're always going to have complaints about our partners. That's completely normal. But how you go about voicing these complaints is significant. When you criticize your partner, you're attacking their personality or character, conveying that you are right and they are wrong. And people get their backs up, right? They get very triggered by this. Totally. Because um, I think sometimes it can feel quite personal, obviously. I think it's trying to work out ways, and we'll talk about all these things, trying to work out ways to maybe have a criticism, but make it constructive. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if you use sweeping statements, like you always, or you never, or you're the type, 
people are going to get their backs up. They're going to get triggered by that. So instead, what you want to do is try saying, I feel. Yeah, I feel. <laughs> like I want to murder you. I feel when hurt you... when you, or I feel annoyed when you do this. Yeah. Exactly. So it's that, it's make it about yourself that this is your own trigger and, and how you feel, how can that be wrong, right? But it's very common in relationships, criticism. And we're used to it from our parents, right? Our parents tend to criticize us. And so we just get on automatic pilot. And that's the thing with relationships. Initially, you're in that honeymoon period and you're very conscious, full of dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and you're high as a kite. And so you're, but you're also very conscious and you're very aware of how you behave. But when you get relaxed and you're calmer and you're not so like high on drugs from this like infatuation period, you start slipping in to your subconscious behaviors. You go back into these like old behaviors from childhood and what you watched your parents do and the mask falls off, right? <laughs> and we're our true self, right? That's why you like after a few months, people normally go, I don't even know them at all. Like I thought <laughs> I knew them. Of course you didn't know them. You didn't know them. So you're just projecting your idea of how they should be. Then we slip into contempt, right? And contempt is a feeling of disdain or scorn. So classic contemptuous comments made by partners include insults, name calling, sarcasm, ridicule. The biggest ones I call couples on, I work with a lot of couples and I just watch their body language. I want, it's not necessarily what they're saying, but how they're saying it and what is their body language doing when they're saying it? Because that conveys way more information than actually what you say. What you say is like the tiniest bit of how people perceive what you say. It's mostly body language and then it's tone of voice and then it's the actual words. So things like rolling your eyes, ah, like using like disgusted voice. This is all, it's showing people that you're kind of disgusted with them or they're idiots. It's contempt. Contempt is probably the most toxic behavior you can do in a relationship. When I first got with my partner and we were just like madly in love for the first few months, but then you know, the mask falls off and we both started doing a little bit of this behavior. So I start teaching him about Gottman's work and these different things. And so we just start calling it out on each other. So if he do, I'd be like, contempt, defensiveness. <laughs> contempt of court, <laughs> your honor. Like... <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I just start calling out because it's so subconscious. People don't realize it. So when I'm working with a couple and I'm watching them, I educate them about this first. And then I say, I'm going to call this out when you do it. It's normally the person who thinks that they're the good one in the relationship, right? They're normally the one who's booked the appointments in and thinks I'm going to be the one completely on their side. And I'm not on anybody's side. I'm on both of their side. But it's so fascinating how they think they're the perfect one in the relationship. But meanwhile, they're doing all these behaviors that are actually triggering the behavior in their partner that they don't want. Yeah. So they're the problem or a part of the problem. Plot twist, bring in the Taylor Swift's edgy hero. It's me. Hi. It's me. I'm the problem. Because, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about red flags and things. But I feel like a lot of us, especially as women, we've learned more about red flags. But then, like, a lot of the time we're actually the red flag and we, we don't realize because we're, we're thinking everyone else is the problem. But hang on, we're a red flag as well. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what I'll do is sometimes say, I'm just going to video you guys while you talk for five minutes. I don't do this all the time. But when I keep calling someone out on it and they keep doing it and they, then they start getting flustered, I'm like, we'll just do a little video real quick and we'll just, 
then we can look. <laughs> See. We can watch you do it. Yeah. And they can they can maintain it for about two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then like three minutes in, they start doing it because it's so subconscious. That's where I really recommend hypnotherapy as well, right? Because you you need that to be changed on that subconscious level. But when someone shows contempt to you, what do you do? You become defensive. Right. That's that's a, it's a normal human response to be defensive. And that's us like warding off perceived attacks when your partner becomes defensive or you become defensive. You're not open to learning and you're not able to be vulnerable, but it's just such a common response. But we're just trying to protect ourselves. Right. But it doesn't help solve the problem. And it's, it's a way of not taking any responsibility and just counterattacking. Basically, some classic defensive responses are cross complaining. So whatever they say, you're responding to your partner's complaint or criticism with a grievance of your own, right? So yeah, but you do this. Mm. That's, that's probably the most common or dis disagreeing. No, I don't do that, but you're the one who does this. And let me bring up this time from five years ago when you did that. And the other one is making excuses. It's not my fault. Well, I didn't know this. Keep repeating yourself over and over. I'll see people do that a lot. I know I used to do that. I just keep yelling the same thing. <laughs> Without taking any responsibility. Yes, budding is another one. Yes, but blah, 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 blah. This just starts us to like start tuning each other out. And that's the next horseman, right? Is stonewalling. I mean, I used to be the expert at stonewalling. That was my MO, right? And that would be, you don't exist. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And you just shut down and you ignore your partner. For you, what do you think some of yours are? I'm, yeah, I've had a few thoughts while we're doing it. I'm definitely, I think the the defensiveness, but mm -hmm. that can often, and I'm not trying to turn this around, but I find in my relationship, we are, it's a healthy relationship, but I'm going to be really honest and I don't really, I remember when we used to record or even people who might be listening to the self-love club a while, I used to get quite even defensive sharing personal things because I was protecting and I was scared of, oh, I guess I was scared of sharing things because it made me feel vulnerable, but I've gone through a lot of personal growth. I've been diagnosed with ADHD and found out a lot of that was to do with that and now I just don't have those same worries anymore I feel very safe so I'm going to talk openly about some things in my relationship and one of them for me is I know I'm a defensive person at times when I feel like I got to protect myself and I'm working on that I get defensive when there's maybe bits of contempt coming through and I'm not blaming him for that, but it'll be bits of that and then I get defensive and then that doesn't resolve it and then it's both part of the problem. So it's trying to work out solutions to that and we are both committed when we have these. I'm much more of a resolver, like I, not even in my relationship, I just want to find solutions, not keep the peace, like I'm not afraid of speaking up about things, but find a resolution so this doesn't continue happening in the future. So I just don't see the point in that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's normally two types of ways we respond to relationship. And there's what they call the maximizer and the minimizer. So the minimizer will go quiet. No, it's fine. I don't really want to talk about it. And then the maximizer will be like, we need to sort this out right now. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the maximizer. It's me. It also, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this podcast is going to be lots of anti-hero references. Yeah, yeah I... 
I was definitely, I mean, it depended on who I was with, how your partner responds to stuff or what type they are. Like if you get two maximizers together, they're just going to, it's going to be World War Three. So you tend to, you can change, but I definitely have a tendency to be a maximizer. So I would chase like my partners around the house and be like, we need to sort this out right now. <laughs> I have chased a car down the road trying to get them to talk to me because I can't go to bed angry yeah. and just acted like a crazy person. <laughs> And <laughs> obviously you, none of that was my fault. But then you, you, exactly, it's not me. But then, yeah, you can't sleep when it's not resolved. And I've gotten a lot more secure in myself that I don't have to resolve everything straight away. But it gets to a point where I can go off and do my own thing as well if they're kind of being a bit quiet and doing their thing. I can happily go do that. I don't always have to get in there so much as maybe when I was younger or even a year or two ago and do that. But it does get to a point where it needs to be resolved and I and I almost like decide that I, and it's quite selfish of me, I decide that, okay, we need to sort this out. Like, you know, we live together, we're around each other and that's when I can get frustrated. And I've heard other people talk about when, and not everyone's the same, but men often, when we, when women want to have a discussion or resolve a conflict or have an argument, men often shut down and they'll just walk away, which is, you know, in some ways that is good because they're trying to defuse the situation. They're not, they don't want to, you know, do something or say something they're going to regret. But that can often frustrate us more because we're like, we'll say something back, get angry back. Like, I, well, we need to sort this out. And that's something I think a lot of us can find frustrating too. Absolutely. And it is. It's the stonewaller just starts ignoring their partner and they won't show any signs of receptiveness or trying to sort it out. And then the other partner tends to just get angrier and angrier. But the reason why people tend to do the stonewalling is because they're what they're doing is called flooding. And flooding is that their nervous system is going into fight or flight right? And they've just becoming overwhelmed. And when someone starts flooding and going into that fight or flight, they cannot resolve things. It is not the time to talk to them. So that's what I learned is like, I actually had to give my partner like a half an hour or an hour to calm down. Don't chase them around the house or down the street. That doesn't help. And so once their nervous system is calmed down, a lot of times then they can start talking about it. But we're like, it's fine. Let's just talk about it right now. Yeah. But they can't do it. They literally can't do it. Literally all the blood from the, your prefrontal cortex, which is that like logical, reasonable computer part of the brain just shuts down and you go into animal brain and like reptilian brain so it's very primitive and it's just fight or flight so they just want to fight you or run away mm. it's giving them space it's letting them calm down and let me know when you're ready to talk about it but a lot of times we've had this dynamic for so long that we're just locked into this pattern and that's where I really recommend get some yeah. therapy or even just get some therapy for yourself and if you can go to someone who does hypnotherapy because we can talk about it. We can logically know it and learn about it in therapy. But a lot of times we're flipping into like another part of ourselves. We're flipping into a young part of ourselves that is like wounded and not emotionally able to resolve the situation. So then we act like children. If you see someone having a tantrum, you know, they're adults, not in charge. They're in a more like child state. Get therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I But yeah, allow people to cool off. And then what you can start to do, and instead of like going up and saying, well, okay, are you calm enough that we can talk now? <laughs> is what you want to do is start making repair attempts. And that is, oh, 
do you see that bird out the window or <laughs> did you hear that uh all blacks got this score or, like it's trying to repair and engage again yeah smile use a bit of humor try to laugh sing the song yeah like reaching out like an olive olive branch or something yeah to see where things are at and be gentle yeah exactly so i think it's those repair attempts here's the thing if people don't take your repair attempts that's a warning sign so if you want to start looking for red flags it's it's learning about this stuff Mm. and hopefully your partner's open to learning about it as well if they're not open to learning about how to improve a relationship that's a red flag hitting you right in the face here's some of the things that john gottman suggests is a soft startup so don't come in guns a blazing and accuse people and show that contempt or criticism it's like hey i'm i'm feeling this especially if you are a woman in a relationship with a man we tend to come at them with logic and a little bit aggressive and then for them that's a masculine energy and so they'll come back with a masculine energy and so then we get into this conflict Mm -hmm. but when you go in with your emotions and how you feel that'll help them to connect in that emotional way as well because that's normally not the default for men where it is for women but then we've learned to interact with men and be kind of aggressive (laughs) and dominant another thing is edit yourself everything you think does not need to come out of your mouth have a filter was another thing I used to yell at my partner filter (laughs) yeah that's an interesting one I don't usually you want to or you think you should share every thought um everything with your partner but yeah definitely filter it down especially when it comes to times where you're having conflict and I think I've learned from going you know when you'd have an issue with a boyfriend or a situationship or whatever it was and you girls would send like when you're using your notes app to write a message to a guy get out like it is not it's not <laughs> it you want you need to stop but the amount of times I would do that and you'd be asking your friends like should I say this da, 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 and then you'd send it off if you're doing that just get out of the situation it's not good but when you send a guy a novel they go oh too hard can't be bothered they might not even read it and they'll just flick you off and then that will make us get even angrier or feel even more vulnerable because we've put ourselves out there and they're not coming back to us so I think over time I've learned to edit myself down and just have a good think about it that's what I've done as well like so in my relationship he'll do the stonewalling a little bit walk away and I don't always chase after him then well sometimes I do but I'm trying not to and then have a think about it and then it gets to a point where I actually get a little bit once I've processed things I can actually get a little bit angry about something and then rather than be angry to him I want to resolve it in like a mature way but I've learned to filter it down and keep it just to like a couple of sentences and keep it really brief because then I guess you can get your point across easier without saying too much or repeating yourself over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. I used to be the queen of writing people novels basically. (laughs) And they'll literally, if a guy gets a novel, they'll literally go, oh, throw their phone onto the bed, oh, too hard, flag, like she's out, you know? And that's exactly, that's not what you're wanting. You're wanting resolution but that is not the way to go about it it's it's having a ideally a conversation in person and just keep it brief absolutely they don't want to hear a novel and you're you're basically trying to debate them into agreeing with you and they normally don't want to debate you right so yeah he's got some interesting what he calls magic ratios or john gottman magic ratios so 
There are empirically validated numerical ratios that he found that are predictors of breakups and also of reported happiness in couples' relationships. So there's the divorce ratio, which is 0.8 to 1, and that's a ratio of 0.8 positives for every one negative in a relationship during a disagreement discussion. And this is how he just gets them to talk about something they've had a conflict over, right? So if you have more negative interactions than positive, even just when you're arguing, that is a case for 50% that you are going to break up within like five years if you're married, less if you're not. So then there's the staying together but miserable ratio. And that's with 1.2 positives for every one negative. They typically stayed together but report feeling very unhappy in the relationship. Then there's the happy couple ratio. And that's five to one. Five positives to every one negative just in an argument. Not in your day to day. Like I think it's true for your day to days as well. But think about it. When you're having an argument or a conflict, are you having five positive interactions for every one negative thing you say. So this is in, to clarify, this is in an argument. This isn't in a real interaction. This is only in argument interactions, correct? This is what he says, but I think this is true of relationships on a whole and interactions. You think about your friends, how many positive interactions do you have for every negative? Right. We a have so more. many positive. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're constantly saying nice things to our friends and building them up and supporting them. And if we have a negative interaction, it's pretty rare. But when we do, we have so many positives that it balances it out. Right. So according to him, I mean, the way he's reading this is because he's observing them for a short amount of time and seeing how they're responding. But I think this is true just in day to day life. The happiest couples are 20 to one. And when you're in the honeymoon phase, you have normally on average 20 positive interactions for every one negative. And those are the couples that are the happiest. But that is timing to keep up. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions I have from this. And mm. one of them is, if you have any of these or, you know, you're showing signs of this, is there a chance of, making your relationship work, even if you are at more chance of it not working. And I guess that comes down to both people making an effort to resolve conflict in a good way. So like, even if you had say the five to one, is there a chance of that not ending in divorce like this research suggests? Yeah, I mean, five to one is good. Okay. Five to one is happy. That's probably me, right? I think. Yeah, that's probably my relationship. I'm like, oh, God, what's happening? Are we, are we going to last? Like, you know, I'm going to have kids with this guy. Oh, my God. You know, like start <laughs> freaking out, like taking stock. <laughs> and that's the thing is you can literally change your relationship at any time. And it really only takes one person to change the relationship. Because if one person starts giving you those, that positive feedback, stops with the contemptuous, the defensive behaviors, is softer with how they start conversations or disagreements, the other person's going to respond in a more positive way. So you don't have to tell your partner about it or have them on board. All you need to do is start doing these behaviors. Start giving them positive feedback, compliments, especially men. Men never get compliments or hardly ever. If you compliment a man, like you can literally have him eating out of your hand. 
So, <laughs> or other Not, places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's not that if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh crap, here we go, another one bites the dust down the gurgler. This isn't necessarily the case. It's just these are indicators, and if you're able to work on these things, you can make it work. And I, I think there's a difference between staying in a relationship which is actually healthy and a healthy relationship working, as opposed to a relationship ending, and then it, as opposed to staying in an unhealthy relationship like you said you know there's a difference between all those scenarios so yeah I think being able to resolve and then get into a healthy long term that's what we all want right but then a lot of people will maybe stay in something even though it's not right and toxic you know you could see it all around you that it's almost too hard for people to leave each other even though they hate it's, each other yeah which is sad but like I said you can absolutely change this and you can do it by yourself, right? Because your partner, if you start responding in a more positive way and changing your behavior, people will change how they respond to you. I've seen people completely turn around the relationships, never even discussing what they're doing with their partner. Yeah, it's not that all hope is lost, but it is you're going to need to change mm. and become aware of your behavior and involve your partner. I mean, I don't think anybody, if you go up to your partner and you say, I really want us to have the best relationship possible and improve it. And here's just a few tips I found. I'll have a link that you guys can click and you can read all of this because I've got an article about it on my website to give you the data and, and some more mm. research that you can do. If your partner is open to that, that's a great sign. Now, here's a red flag. If you go to your partner and say, hey, I want us to have a great relationship, here's a few things that we can do, and they dismiss that, that's a worry. If someone is not willing to work on their, your relationship, because relationships are work. Like people say, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. It is. And it's always evolving. And there's always more work to do. And I believe the, the purpose of relationships is for us to heal our unhealed wounds from childhood. That is why we could do a whole nother podcast on this topic because it's fascinating. Yeah, We are attracted to certain people because they have traits of our caretakers, positive and negative. That is why we become attracted to certain people. Because you think about all the people you meet, how many are you actually attracted to? And there's a lot of attractive people that you meet and you're like, nothing, don't feel a thing. You do nothing for me. And then you can meet someone that maybe you don't find that attractive, but you're like, I love you. My wounds and love it, you so much. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, my listen. trauma wounds are being <laughs> triggered. And some subconscious part of us wants to work that out and heal that with that person because they feel like home. Mm we start then acting out our wounds and these like behaviors from childhood, trying to get this other person to heal this wound for you. Newsflash, they can't really heal it for you. You can heal it for yourself. But being in a relationship, I think you can do amazing deep healing. You yeah. can, I had to do a lot of deep healing before I could get into a healthy relationship and attract a healthy partner. Yes, same. That, yeah. And, but once I did that work, then I met someone who's, you know, secure attachment type, very open to working on himself and relationships and all that. But we felt like cats and dogs, like for the first, I don't know, after two months, it was amazing. Two months was perfect. And then after that, it was like, it was the, the power struggle. Yeah. I won, <laughs> but no. <laughs> I remember talking to you and it was on a previous episode where that started happening for us. And I, I thought, oh no, like, is this going to work? Because we're, it wasn't arguments, but it was just, you know, things like he was coming to my house to stay way more. And that started annoying him, even though in the beginning he was fine with it, you know? So, but yeah, it, when it comes, I found it interesting what you said before that 
only one person needs to change some of these behaviors for it to start influencing positively on the other person and the relationship. I find that interesting because often you hear, and I mean, obviously to a degree, both people need to make an effort, right, to make things work. But that's really interesting because I think for a lot of us, and when I'm looking for solutions, when we have an argument or a conflict, and I'm trying to get to a place where we can move forward, not only move forward, but I don't want this to keep repeating. And I've said that to him about certain things that seem to be, and we'll get to that soon, about like the things that couples can often argue over and over again about. Because you often think that, well, both of us need to be on the same page here or at least give and take a little bit because how are we going to move forward? So talk us through that in regards of, you know, changing some of these behaviours, but how how does it work if both people aren't willing to resolve the conflict effectively? Yeah, I think it depends on what the conflict is, but also there are resolvable and irresolvable problems. According to his research, Gottman's research, 69% of issues that couples have on their honeymoon, or like, let's say, just in the beginning of a relationship, they still disagreed on on their 50th anniversary. So 31% of the issues you have are never going to be able to be resolved. at least it's not great but it's also uh it's you know makes you feel a bit better because you think okay well at least we're not alone if we're arguing about the same things over and over again like we've got 50 years to look forward to this awesome you know (laughs) i mean the good news is that there's 31 percent that you can change right but it's figuring out what's resolvable and what isn't some of it comes down to values right and people can have different values i think if you get two people that aren't willing to work on a relationship well then it's just hopeless, right? If you start changing your behavior and really implementing some of these ideas and your partner doesn't change at all, that's a red flag. Because some people really just aren't willing to change. They don't want to change. They don't like change. They think they're fine. What they they are, they, I mean, these people tend to have high narcissistic traits. (laughs) Something Music coming in. So, and narcissists are not that uncommon. Sociopaths, 5% of the population. If you think your partner might be a sociopath, I wouldn't, I would get the hell out of there. Listen to a true crime broadcast on it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I've got a whole article on that. If you want to tell the difference between narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths, it's so, even terrible relationships can be completely turned around and resolved. I think as long as both people are willing to respond. If one person doesn't have time to go to therapy, start making the changes yourself. Because these are things you don't actually have to go to a therapist for. Just Mm -hmm. learning these, becoming more aware of your behavior, trying to implement some of it. If your partner continues contemptuous behavior, not engaging in that way, then yeah, I would be looking at exit strategies. Well, the cost on your health of an unhealthy, toxic relationship is way higher than you would even imagine. Like they found that the level of contempt in a relationship can be used to reliably predict the number of infectious illnesses that a partner experiences in the next year. So if you're in a relationship with someone that shows you a lot of contempt and you suddenly wonder why your immune system seems so down and you're catching every cold and flu, well, that's probably why. Like it literally impacts your immune system. Yeah, and I think with conflicts or arguments, and we're not talking abuse or manipulation, those sorts of things, those are obviously very um, serious issues and very dangerous situations to be in. I am a realist, but you know, you think that you can have 
the best in a relationship and the best in your life. And I'm not saying in in terms of elitism or like rich or anything or perfect. I just mean healthy and happy and you don't need to settle for anything less, right? So for me, when a conflict comes up, I can often get a bit overwhelmed by, oh God, you know, is this not healthy? Is this a red flag? And I think for a lot of people, it can be hard to tell the difference, unless it's glaringly obvious, between actual red flags and normal things that come up in relationships. So I thought that would be really helpful to talk about because I've always wanted to know and especially when you're in those situations you're trying to work out is this a red flag because everything to us these days seems to be a red flag so can you talk to us about that a little bit yeah I mean well what this the science shows is that it doesn't actually matter how much you fight like some couples fight all the time we'll literally have arguments every single day they rate themselves as very happy it's not like the low conflict couples that are happier that aren't red flags, but it's that how you actually do it. So I think a red flag is, is someone showing you contempt a lot? That is. And, and sometimes it is just unconscious, but it's educating people about that. I guess for me, the red flag is people aren't willing to work on it, who aren't willing to change it. But if someone's doing name calling, criticizing you, like that's really, it just starts to eat away at your soul. And sometimes it's just, I know people can be like, well, that's how my family is. And we're just sarcastic, but sarcasm is, it can be cutting. And they're like, oh, it's just a joke. What I say when people are sarcastic and with that like kind of cutting thing is, well, jokes are meant to be funny. <laughs> that's that's not funny. One. Yeah. Yeah. Quite I twisted. say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is, it's, if it's not funny or if you're like making a, a joke at someone's expense, well, that's not okay either. It's looking into what are, are they doing those behaviors? Are they willing to change it? I think it's really fascinating to look at how people interact in their families and seeing the dynamics there, but people, they absolutely can change. I think the, the warning is if they're not willing to change. Right. Yeah. So obvious red flags are like name calling, obviously some of those things we've talked about, but having disagreements and arguments, that's not red, necessarily a red no. flag. That's normal, right? Completely normal. Okay, yeah. You could fight every single day. You could have an argument every single day and be rated as having a really healthy, happy relationship. And so it's in the resolution that's basically saying that's not that's not really a red flag because you are able to resolve and move forward maturely and in a healthy way. Absolutely. Okay. Like both myself and my partner are high conflict styles, right? We are like, Meh. we're both, <laughs> we're very both bossy, very assertive personality types. And so we do, we have conflicts. I wouldn't say every day, but frequently mm. we never use contempt. We don't, it's more just about might be a little bit of tone of voice, which we both probably could work on a little bit better, or it's mm. not what you do. It's how you do it. And I think, I mean, I come from a big Italian family. It's I had dinner with my family last night. We were like debating and going off about world politics and what's happening with the financial system and war. But it was never, we're never attacking. Just like, well, my opinion is this and, 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 we'll, and we'll argue it. You could see like my, my stepsister's husband, who's like an only child who comes from a very quiet, yeah. nice family sitting there going, oh my God. But yeah. we love it. We love to debate and argue. And that's just kind of our style and our communication style. It can be a little bit of worry when you're two extremes, like one's very high conflict and the other one's a very low conflict. But in saying that, some of those people are very happy as well. Yeah, because for me, I can get a little bit overwhelmed and thinking, oh, no, is this like a problem? Because I want to fix it. And I'm 
and you think, oh, is it a problem that we're having this? Is this is this a deal breaker in terms of having an argument? And I'll go through something that we recently had an argument about for context, I guess. I'm fine for a point. I, I'll leave him alone. We'll go off to our thing. He might go away if he's not like to get away or whatever. But if he's say he had like recently he had to go away and he left and we weren't really, we had an argument and I'll leave him, I'll let him be, I'll do my thing, I keep busy with my stuff. But then I had a point where I really, I really need to talk about it. You know, I think with relationships, you can feel a bit uncomfortable talking to your friends about it because you don't want to badmouth anybody. And being a people pleaser, you're like not wanting to ruin someone's opinion of people and you don't, and it's an uncomfortable thing to do. I'll really need to talk about it. So I called my sister, I had a discussion about it, just told her what the situation was and that was really helpful. And then that night before bed, I got overwhelmed again and then I spoke to my mum and I normally wouldn't speak to mum about these things, but she was really helpful and it kind of, I guess it can just help you realise that, hey, this is okay, it's not the end of the world, because I think sometimes, and I don't even know the right word for it, and my, but you sort of, your idea of an ideal world isn't always realistic, because you think that everything can be, like, nice and civil, and, and you, I know for me, I just think that, oh no, there's a conflict, that's, it's not a good sign, like, I shouldn't be in this, because in the past, I think I've left a lot of things when I've seen anything like that come up. I'm extremely hard on myself. I have high standards for myself, but of course for other people, which can make me hypercritical because I'm like that to myself, right? So for example, um, our families both live in Wellington and recently there was a new baby born and he, it's his sister, so he was going to go down straight away basically. And I had some work commitments, so I couldn't go straight away. And also the flights at the moment are so freaking expensive. You're talking $400 one way to Wellington from Auckland. And that's a lot of money, right? I had a look at flights. I said, hey, I've got work I can do from this day. I've also got a cat that I need to like make sure someone can look after, a friend or whatever. She's a responsibility. And I don't. I personally don't like leaving her very often, which is kind of, I don't know if it's a weird thing, but she's like my baby. And I, I like working at home with her every day. I just really love it. Anyway... I had a look at flights and I came up with in my head what I thought would be a good solution. I said, hey, I can come down this day after I finish my work. The flights are a little bit cheaper. I can manage that. And it's almost like that option wasn't accepted. There's been other situations where this has happened, for example, with other family things that have been on that I can't make. I can see it from his point of view. He thinks that it's that I don't care, but it's not the case at all. It's just that hey, I have some work to do, the flights are really expensive and I just can't justify that. And he takes that personally that I don't care the same level that he cares for me or my family. So then it's like trying to get someone to understand that or I don't want to have to repeat myself over and over again because I'm learning that that's like, that's trauma behavior. You don't need to over repeat yourself. So I try to keep it brief. But there was a situation in the past where I didn't make something and that was for very valid reasons and he made me feel really bad and I had to like over explain myself over and over again, which I we won't be doing going forward. But yeah, it's just trying to resolve those things. So then I come up with this, I come up with what I think is a solution and then we give each other a bit of space and then I say, hey, we need to talk about this. Like I want to make sure that we can resolve these from happening going forward and it can be like, I think when you've been single for a while, both people, and you're an adult in your 30s, you sort of get used to living your life your way. So sometimes I feel like he has, I didn't mean to put so much emphasis on he right then, that sounded funny. I was like, <laughs> oh, she's going to pick up on that. I said, hey, I can come down this day. He's like, oh, no, I already want to leave by that day. 
I want to go play golf in this town with so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, so you've basically made your plan already without me. And I have to try fit into your plan. Like, I don't want to sit around in this random town for four hours while you play golf. Like, yeah, sure, i got a good book to read. But if we're going to go away for a weekend, I'd rather spend it with our families, right? So anyway, we did come to a resolution. We did manage to, and we are, we do have a healthy relationship. That's something I love about being with him and someone who is secure as an attachment type is that we are able to talk maturely. It's not nasty once we get past that initial conflict and, and resolve it going forward, right? But I guess I was just worried that this will keep happening. I'm a strong-willed person, but he is way more stubborn than me. And when he sort of made his mind up about something, you don't you don't care about this. They can't. That's what he thinks is, and it's not always the case. So anyway, I hope that makes sense. But that was yeah. a recent conflict we had. It can be hard when you're thinking, well, how are we ever going to resolve this? Because we think in different ways, and he isn't able to see it from my point of view. That sounds like something you should you guys should see a therapist about. <laughs> Yeah. Not that it's a huge conflict. I, yeah, I had a similar issue with my first husband, right? He's, his family lived down by Wellington and we would go every Christmas and spend it with his family. And we would drive down with the kids and I love to cook and clean up and all that. So I would spend the whole time cooking and cleaning and like waiting on everybody. And I would just get exhausted and it would turn out to be, and he would go off and play golf with his brothers and I'd be home by myself on my fucking birthday and <laughs> I'm not still bitter <laughs> and I would just feel terrible and I wouldn't want to go and I'd get anxiety but I wouldn't say anything but then I'd be passive aggressive about it and I remember talking to a group of my girlfriends and I was like I just don't want to go every fucking year and do that drive with these little kids and and one of my friends goes well just don't go and I'm like what what do you mean and she's like you can say no you can just say hey I want to have Christmas in Auckland and not go and I was like I don't understand. And she's like, oh, do you not know how to say no? <laughs> I was like, just this concept that I hadn't even ever thought of was to actually set a boundary and say what I wanted and not always people please and do what other people wanted. And so I just went home and said, hey, actually, I don't want to go to your families for Christmas this year. I'd like to have family up here. It's exhausting for me. And I mean, I loved his family, still love his family. They're great. But I was the martyr who would do all the things and, and make it a bad experience for myself. That wasn't actually anyone else's fault besides my own. But putting those boundaries in, we had like massive arguments about it. And I, yeah, it was called selfish and how dare you and all this type of stuff. But I just held my ground and said, is it unreasonable for me to want to do something different? Do we always mm. have to do it your way? I mean, it sounds like you're setting really good boundaries. I think the key is to not give in to the guilt and keep understanding and just go, I'm sorry if you feel that I don't care as much. That's not true. Mm. But this is what I have to do for myself to keep myself sane. And and I would do it differently if I could and just hold the boundary. You know, it is about setting boundaries and people sometimes don't like it when you set boundaries. Mm. It's an important thing to establish in a relationship. And I think people do, they go, Oh, well, you just don't care as much as me. And I mean, I have that same thing told to me and it's not for us. We, I mean, we got divorced. Um, <laughs> not saying that's going to happen oh, to God, you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few Christmases where we alternated this. We were married for right. a while longer, but that was actually, we went to a relationship therapist and they told him I was right. And it was great. Um, <laughs> You're like, just what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It is things to navigate. 
And we do. I mean, I know you definitely were a people pleaser and you want, you feel bad. And of course he just wants you there with him and yeah. have a experience. Sometimes we do. We have to put ourselves first over other people's needs. And that is, unfortunately, it'd be great if we could do everything to please our partners, but it's just not reality. And if we keep doing that and keep making those concessions, we're going to get resentful. And we're going to start possibly being passive aggressive or getting shitty about stuff. Or, and it builds up and builds up. Like the happiest relationships tend to be in a, in a male-female relationship where the woman puts her needs first mm, and yeah. has really strong boundaries. The men don't like it all the time, but they stay with those women and they adore those women. Yeah. That's why, they, that's why there's books like Men Love Bitches, mm. right? <laughs> so, yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, we're being taught because women have been from little girls being raised to be people pleasers, to put everyone else's needs first. And now the tides are turning and we're having to change systemic, you know, systems of, of putting ourselves first. But it doesn't mean that we don't care for other people and setting these boundaries, which, of course, people don't like. I guess for me, I don't like to feel like putting myself or my needs not it's not first like I mean yes it is it's you can always be there for other people but by having those boundaries or hey I've got these work projects I'm a freelancer so I need this work this is gonna pay me for the next few months or whatever but you don't want to have to feel like you have to explain yourself or that because you have this boundary or these things commitments I call it commitments like you have a commitment to things that are on and because you're not pushing that aside for something else you're made to feel like you don't care or you're selfish and that's mm -hmm. something I think which has arisen for me a little bit that they are more giving and you are more selfish even though that's not true and another issue I have and I know a friend of mine we've talked about this just in general in relationships when people give 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 and then they get shitty that the other person may be isn't giving and it's like giving in an unhealthy way like they'll do it to not only their partner but to their everyone in their life you know they're everyone's person that, that people come to and they give too much and they become resentful for being like that I know because I've done that before as well so then they get mad at the person who isn't doing that it's looking at yourself and seeing if you're doing that because relationships are give and take it's it's such a hard thing for women to learn. It took me a long time to learn this, to put, to prioritize my own needs. And I think not that you need to prioritize your own needs over your partner, but you should at least have them equal. And that's, I mean, if, if they're, your needs are equal, then, and something, you can't do something, well, they just, they need to get the fuck over it, basically. Mm, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just respect that it mean it doesn't mean that you don't care or it's not important and you're not being selfish. Yeah. What are some ways to, I guess, people finding themselves in that situation, which I am at times, how can we resolve that? Like, unless the other person, and I don't want to be like, the other person has to change, but unless the other person changes, no, just uh, understands it and it works both ways like that, because that goes the same for him, for anyone else. How can we work on that? And how, because for me, again, I want to, resolve and find a solution so this doesn't keep repeating in the future because I want to have a healthy relationship if I'm you know I'm planning to have children with this guy fairly soon this is going to continue happening it's not something I want to be in in my life you know well it is going to continue to happen oh, crap <laughs> <laughs> but it'll happen in any relationship yeah right especially when you have children that's all we've got time for. You can hear the rest of this conversation and the advice we are hanging on for on part two of our therapy session series on relationships and resolving conflict. 
It will be released next Monday for subscribers only, 6am New Zealand time. Thanks for listening to this exclusive subscription-only episode of the Self Love Club. Your support means so much. A subscription includes bonus episodes, and I share more personal information than I do on other episodes and get access to recommendations. Follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. I'm at Belle Crawford. You'll find the details, the links in the show notes where you can watch short video content from this episode. And if you're enjoying listening, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and leave us a really kind review. It'll be so appreciated. It helps other people find the self-love club. I'll catch you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.